You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Ransomware strains, old and new, are back in circulation. Shadowpad backdoors are tentatively attributed to Chinese espionage operations in the supply chain. A hacker releases the decryption key for Apple's secure enclave. Profexor may not actually know much about Fancy Bear's romp through the DNC. Another misconfigured AWS bucket exposes data on voters in Chicago. The difficulties of countering extremism online. And the FBI has a roadshow warning companies of the risks of using Kaspersky security products. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Friday, August 18th, 2017. Ransomware, old and new, rampant and defeated, is back in the news at week's end. Spam, representing itself as distribution of a court order, is in fact distributing a newly observed strain of ransomware. Observers at security firm MSysoft say SyncCrypt avoids detection by concealing its malicious zip file inside a JPEG image. There's as of yet no free decryptor available for affected systems. MSysoft points out that SyncCrypt's method of distribution is highly effective because most antivirus products aren't detecting the JPEG files that carry the ransomware as malicious. Only one product in virus total, Dr. Webb, detected SyncCrypt as malicious when MSysoft ran its samples through. Two older varieties of ransomware, Locky and Mamba, are back in the wild, circulating in evolved and unfortunately enhanced forms. Locky had been largely quiet in 2017 after hitting hospitals last year. Security company Malwarebytes notes that it returned in a large campaign on August 9th. Locky traces its coding heritage to the Drydex banking trojan, and like Drydex, the secret to its success seemed to be volume. It's being distributed in a large, old-school spam campaign, delivering either corrupted Microsoft Office documents or malicious zip files. The new version is reporting through a fresh command and control infrastructure. Trend Micro and Kaspersky report that Mamba ransomware, also known as HDD Cryptor, is back and being distributed in the Icarus dilapidated campaign Komodo has been tracking. Mamba is perhaps best known for its 2016 use against the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Authority. It encrypts hard drives as opposed to simply making files unavailable, and the ransomware is commonly spread by corrupted websites. 
There is some good news on ransomware, this from Avast. The Prague-based security firm has developed and released a free decryptor for Lambda Locker, so bravo, Avast. NetSarong, South Korean maker of widely used enterprise connectivity products, acknowledges that recent builds of its software are afflicted with shadow pad backdoors. The vulnerability appears to have been inserted from the company's supply chain as it ran through China. Similarities to tools and procedures used by PlugX malware lead Kaspersky researchers to attribute the backdoor to the Chinese Winti APT espionage group. NetSarong patched the flaw in its August 5th builds, which Kaspersky says is fast work. Users are urged to stop using old versions and update promptly. In other patching news, Cisco has fixed two serious bugs in its application policy infrastructure controller, and Drupal addresses access bypass issues in its CMS software. Beyond Security has disclosed a proof-of-concept Chrome exploit. Google will not patch older affected versions of Chrome, instead advising users to move to the current version. A hacker going by Zerub has published the decryption key for Apple's secure enclave processor firmware, The Secure Enclave coprocessor within iOS handles cryptography for data protection key management. Mostly, it processes Touch ID, unlocks the phone with the user's fingerprint, and approves purchases the fingerprint sensor authorizes. Apple says user data isn't at risk, but the leak will give the curious, whether well or ill-intentioned, opportunities to explore the software. In election hacking and influence operations news, Profexor, the Ukrainian hacker talking to Ukrainian authorities and the U.S. FBI about Fancy Bear's operations against the DNC during the last U.S. election cycle, may not have any particular insight to offer, after all. The PAS tool he's associated with probably wasn't involved, according to experts, and it was not mentioned in the Grizzly Step report cited by the New York Times. CrowdStrike, the security firm retained by the DNC to fix its security issues, told Krebs on Security that it did not find evidence of PAS in the DNC's servers. And the Grizzly Step report is itself now regarded as problematic, more a compendium of behavior observed by various Russian threat actors than a study of election hacking. There are reports that WikiLeaks declined to publish discreditable information about Russia that was fed to Julian Assange's leak service during the time it was leaking material from U.S. sources. This will surprise few who've watched WikiLeaks with attention over the past few years. When one asks the source of WikiLeaks releases, a recurrent answer that suggests itself is Moscow. A Washington Post op-ed expresses the opinion that President Putin overplayed his hand in attempts to manipulate elections. The efforts probably had little effect on outcomes beyond sowing a degree of mistrust, surely one of its objectives, but it did anger Washington and put most of Europe on high alert. There are, of course, other concerns about voting systems, particularly election-related databases. ES&S, supplier of voting machines to many U.S. jurisdictions, learned from an UpGuard warning that it had misconfigured its Amazon S3 bucket, exposing records on approximately 1.8 million voters. Only Chicago voter data was affected for unknown reasons, and ESNS says it secured the database. Personal information was publicly exposed, but neither vote totals or voter registration were affected. This is the latest in a series of misconfigured Amazon Web Services databases. It's worth recalling that ensuring such data isn't publicly exposed is the user's responsibility, 
but Amazon is trying to help. The cloud provider has introduced Macy, a security service designed to automatically discover and protect sensitive data in AWS customers' buckets. U.S. President Trump announced today that U.S. Cyber Command will be elevated to a full combatant command. The president said in a statement, The elevation of United States Cyber Command demonstrates our increased resolve against cyberspace threats, and will help reassure our allies and partners and deter our adversaries. There will also be a review of whether Cyber Command should split from NSA, where it was spun up less than a decade ago. That review will be led by Defense Secretary James Mattis. CyberScoop reports that the FBI is quietly advising companies, for OPSEC reasons, to stop using Kaspersky products. The Bureau's counterintelligence officers have been briefing companies on the threat they think the Russian company's software could present and urging them to stop using it and to refrain from including it in new products. Users of industrial control systems, especially in the energy sector, are receiving the briefings on a priority basis. Kaspersky says the suspicions are baseless. The FBI briefings are having a mixed effect. Big tech firms are relatively unreceptive, but big SCADA users, spooked in part by Russian operations against the Ukrainian grid, are said to be listening attentively. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Malek Ben Salem. She's the R&D manager for security at Accenture Labs. Malek, welcome back. Um, you wanted to take us through today a cloud security maturity model. What do we need to know about that? Uh, yeah, so we know that organizations are continuously moving operations to the public cloud. But as they do so, um, they need to protect their sensitive workloads. 
So my colleagues at Accenture Security, and in particular Dan Mellon, has worked on a cloud security maturity model where they came up with five simple steps to follow in order to climb um, that security maturity ladder in the cloud. And the first step is to to augment the cloud provider's uh, built-in security features with third-party security packages designed specifically for the cloud. Many organizations basically use their existing on-prem security tools uh, and they start applying them to the cloud. But this approach means that they replicate um, their segmented network architecture of a legacy environment to the cloud, which also means that they can incur some uh, additional costs because of virtual security appliances must be provisioned and configured within each of the virtual private networks. The second step is to pre-bake security into architectures and design patterns that are aligned to approved technology stacks. And Amazon, Microsoft, and Google all offer templates to support a secure configuration directly in their technology stack. The third step is to streamline the testing and auditing activities. By taking a unified approach to security, in providing security functions via an abstraction layer. Through that abstraction layer, developers can develop and reuse pre-built packaged routines to manage encryption across multiple platforms. So this obviously reduces implementation variation, uh, it promotes code reuse, and it lowers development cost. The fourth step that we recommend is to pre-provision some hooks into these workloads running on the cloud in order to allow some instrumentation and enable an easy integration of SOC monitoring directly into the critical application data and infrastructure hosted in the cloud. And then finally, the fifth step is to adopt DevSecOps, a holistic methodology to achieve security consistency from design through operations. So, for example, companies could automate the design review and verify that those secure code patterns are integrated earlier in the uh, software development lifecycle. By following these steps, we're sure that uh, companies can protect their uh, sensitive workloads running on the cloud. All right. Good information as always. Malek Ben Salem, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. My guest today is Joseph Carson. He's the chief security scientist at Thycotic, a cybersecurity company focused on protecting privileged accounts and providing enterprise password management, among other services. 
Our conversation centers on fishing, specifically how fishing campaigns have grown more sophisticated in the age of online personal information. One of my main goals as part of my job and responsibility with Iconic is to really understand the techniques and the mechanisms that uh, hackers and cyber criminals use in order to really manipulate people, uh, in order to really get them to you know, reveal their sensitive information or to share their uh, credentials or their email accounts and so forth. So earlier this year, uh, me and the team, we decided to conduct some, some you know, sample research into some public available information that would allow us to run a really effective campaign. And what you really look for is you look for, do you have the possibility of gathering the actual email templates, you know, authentic templates that are actually sent to people? Uh, can you capture those and can you actually create and manipulate them in such a way that it really looks like it's coming from that uh, that source or trusted uh, organization? So one that we did, uh, which was basically, we looked at something that was time sensitive and something that people hate. And something that people is willing to do to share their information or to click on that link or to uh, enter their credentials or transfer money um, that's time sensitive, authentic looking, and, and they don't want to wait because it has some elements that means that uh, penalty is greater. And one that we decided to run, which was a uh, vehicle uh, speeding ticket campaign. So, of course, with things like speeding tickets, you look at what times the office location for actually calling in for inquiries is available. So, you find out that the office times are, you know, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. So, the most effective time uh, and the longest window of opportunity you have is at after 5 p.m. on Friday because the next available time that you can call back in to inquire about any type of complaint is on the Monday morning. You target your schedule to go out at 5.30 p.m. on a Friday evening. Many templates are available of those speeding tickets, so you can go and look for those templates and, and gather them from authentic received uh, speeding tickets and then reuse that template to create your own authentic and, of course, spoofing the email and the domain that those campaigns of phishing emails are coming from. And the next thing that you really look into is that a lot of people have shared personal information. So if you're targeting a specific company, in some countries, it's actually the vehicle information is available. The type of make and model of people's cars are available online. A lot of them are due to, you know, of course, selling and buying for checking for what was insurance claims or crashes and so forth of the vehicles. So a lot of that information is available that you can go and gather information about the the car model, the license plate, and registration details of vehicles, etc. And also, a lot of people have shared things like their home addresses. So now, with all that information available, what you can now do is intelligently collect that all information, automate it in such a way that it pre-populates these templates with the person's first and last name, their home address, their telephone number, their vehicle information. And then the street in which, uh, of course, close to their home is where uh, the speeding ticket was issued. And then, of course, being time sensitive, what's great about these types of campaigns is that when you make it time sensitive, that you say that, okay, if you pay within the next 24 hours or you go in and fill in this information, if you don't do that within 24 hours, then the penalty increases. So Saturday, it doubles. By Sunday, it triples. So the last thing you want to do is wait till Monday to basically challenge the actual ticket because the information is so authentic, the source is so trusted that you don't want to wait uh, because the penalty gets greater and greater. And this particular campaign, when we ran it, we actually had close to 100% success rate.
because of the time sensitivity, people are willing to to sacrifice clicking, downloading, giving up their information in order to rather than actually have that type of penalty or legal um, uh, issue when it comes to Monday. Now, the interesting thing was that there was a few that did not, uh, <laughs> we weren't successful of, of gaining the information. And it was quite interesting that those who finished work on Friday at 5 p.m., and didn't read their emails until Monday morning. They were the ones, the ones that didn't work on the weekend were the ones that were able to avoid us actually uh, compromising and gaining access. And the only real ways that organizations can really ensure authenticity is when they get into making sure that their emails are signed of authentic signatures, that you can check the trust of those. Um, When um, organizations are not doing that today, they're really exposing themselves to being on the end of either being the issuer of those phishing campaigns or on the receiving end. So it really makes a point for, uh, you know, I I can imagine people going to their boss and saying, you know, I'm protecting the organization by not checking my email over the weekend. (laughs) Absolutely. And so what happens next when people uh, fall for these sorts of things, even in a situation like yours, where you're you're really trying to to discover the vulnerabilities within a company? Is this a matter of uh, training your employees? Is there a technical uh, fix for this? Absolutely. There's multiple methods. Um, A lot of the things we end up identifying is that the awareness and education and cyber hygiene of employees is important. Um, Also, um, the technical security controls you can put in place in order to minimize the risk as well. Uh, Things about uh, um, having uh, multi-factor authentication is another important area, making sure that the systems um, on those uh, machines are up to date and have the latest trusted sources so that when you do enter a spoofed email uh, in or the URL of the website you're going to is not the authentic one of the company, um, that you can actually detect those types of things. So a lot of uh, different techniques can be put in place, but it's really about protecting the identity of that employee, making sure they're aware of the responsibilities, and making sure that they can identify potential uh, risks, and then providing technology that really helps uh, provide that balance between security, um, identifying, um, challenging the user to do multi-factor authentication. So even if we were to compromise those credentials that the user gave us, we would not be able to use them because of uh, multi-factor authentication would be in place. So really making it much more difficult um, and also uh, making the awareness of the employee um, as best as you can. That's Joseph Carson from Phycotic. There's an extended version of this interview available to our Patreon subscribers. You can find out more at patreon.com slash the cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured.
visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.